Welcome to the All About You podcast. My name is Sheila and I am your host. In this podcast, I invite people to tell their stories of their travels, hobbies and passions. These podcasts are also now available on my All About You YouTube channel. So if you have a story to tell, please contact me on allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and let's tell your story. Welcome to another conversation on the All About You podcast. And my guest today is Eleonora Tatter. She's an actress and also designs and makes hats. Eleonora, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for inviting me. Eleonora, let's talk about your acting career. How did the world of acting come into your world? Well, as far as I remember, there wasn't a like a special moment where I decided I want to be an actress. I just felt when I was young, I just felt being you know in front of people, it was a bit scary for me because I used to be very shy when I was a, a child. But then I had some experiences on stage and then I felt like, in a way, at home. You know, I wasn't scared anymore, maybe because of, you know, you have the distance with the audience and, you know, it just felt like cosy being on a wooden floor with the curtains. It's just like, I don't know, somehow I I felt comfortable um, more than I used to be when I was among people. And then I, you know, that was like, I don't know, when I was 10, 12 years old, probably. And then, you know, slowly... I just was very passionate about uh, films and theatre and music and and I loved, I've always loved period dramas. I'm a big fan of Downton Abbey, to be honest. And so slowly I just decided to, you know, give it a go and I started with like a short theatre course and then I took other theatre workshops and then I got into the National Academy of Drama in Italy, in Rome. I graduated after two years and then I started to work in some national theatre productions. So we went on tour and my first leading role was Pippi Longstocking. We toured Italy for about two years and then I played in Robin and Juliet, was playing Juliet. And then after other few theatre performances, I felt like I want to know more about um, other acting techniques as well. So I went to New York for a few months, stayed there for like three months and for some acting classes. And then I went back to Italy and I decided to leave my country again. (laughs) I just felt like I was looking for some more possibilities and somewhere else. So I felt like, okay, Italy gave me enough in a way so I felt like let's go and explore the world of acting somewhere else so I've always loved London and then I decided to you know to move there it wasn't really planned to be honest so I just decided to go for like a few months like six months but then you know I'm still here and you know that's my it's almost been like seven years that I've been living in London so I consider this city like my second home in a way it's you know it's it's a big city it's challenging every day to you know just live your life because you have so much competition in here and there are some days where you feel like oh my god what am I doing but it's just pushing me to to go even further and you know 
keep trying. And as long as I have my passion to let me lead me through life, I will uh, keep going. Since I moved to London, I, I was in like, like short films. And I, during pandemic, actually, I had this big opportunity to have an audition for a big feature film who was released last June, Jurassic World. I think I can say the title now because, you know, it's out there. So I had a small role in in these production and I was very, very pleased. Um, it was a big thing. It was a really emotional moment for me because it felt like, oh, everything now makes sense in a way. You know, you moved here and after such a long time, finally something is happening. A, you know, that kind of feeling makes you feel worthy in a way. Everything you worked on, everything, you know, all the money you spend for workshops in the past has a sense. So that will happen so far. I keep looking for auditions, not really easy. As you, as we know, you know, actor's life is not easy at all. You know, I just feel like until I have this fire burning inside me, I will keep going. I don't care <laughs> if I have to suffer, if I have to cry every now and then. It's part of the job. It's part of the game. Yeah, that's me acting wise, I think. Can I ask? Yes. I should imagine acting on a stage is very, very different to acting in a film. Because I guess in a film, you maybe have a little bit longer time to prepare and you can take one, take two. Live theatre, there is one chance to get it right, which to me would seem demands so much more focus and a lot more pressure. Is that right? It's true. It's absolutely true what you say, and I agree with you. I have a stage background, so my love, to be honest with you, is, is theatre. And I love it because I like the journey. It's happening in one night, so no, no one is going to stop you. <laughs> and that's what makes everything so organic for the character as well. I just, I'm just leaving that story in those two hours, just fully enjoying it because it's live live experience and what it makes it so thrilling for me is just feeling when the audience it's with you and I don't know how how can I explain this but just, you can just feel it you know it's so it's silent it doesn't mean that the board they are with you they're listening to you and that's what makes the experience for me so great and alive whether in film I don't have so much experience in film, to be honest, but in a way, it's just less, I don't know, I can see more the technicality. You know, you have so many people around you, uh, hundreds of people. Um, you know, that's what I remember from my last experience um, in Jurassic World. And yeah, you can stop as many times as you want. You can say the lines in many different ways. It's a different experience, of course. But what it was nice to see in Jurassic World is was that... Everyone was so there for you anyway. You know, everyone was so supporting uh, since the moment I arrived on set. Everyone knew my name already. It was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm so impressed. I mean, I'm, you know, I have just like a small role. But, you know, everyone was so looking after me and uh, m making the all the whole experience so more enjoyable in a way. So you've talked about 
the role of playing Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. I mean, that is one of the roles that is up there. Is there a role that would be sort of your perfect role that you would really love to play? Wow. <laughs> um, that's a big question. I always feel very attracted by Richard III, to be honest. I've seen Kevin Spacey playing it a while ago in, when I was in New York, and it was just mind-blowing. So I'd love to give it a go, but not now. I think I'm too young. <laughs> but yeah, this is one of my, that's one of my role in my list. Eleonora, we've talked about acting. If we go from the world of acting to designing and making hats, I guess we could look at the theatre to do with the costume and the makeup kind of things. Was that where the crossover came from with with costumes in theatre and film? I think I inherited the um, you know the ability and the love for handcrafting uh, from my great grandfather and grandmother, uh, who were both tailors. And I guess, yes, my stage background and the fact that I was born and grew up in Rome, you know, surrounded by beauty, by art and cultures and and history, maybe that was a kind of, you know, influence for me. And I always loved costumes. I, I loved period dramas. I, I wish I was born in you know, a Regency kind of era, in a way, uh, Jane Austen era. So I guess that could be a part of the reason why I jumped into the millinery world in a way but also it was because when I moved to London that was like yeah almost seven years ago I was working in hospitality for two years and I just felt like I needed to find another way to express my artistry and so I started to look for something more creative first I was looking at some florist workshop and then I thought, OK, flowers, flowers, what could I do with flowers? I could arrange flowers and vases or flowers for weddings and then weddings, bride, head pieces, hats, maybe. I can maybe make some hats. And I didn't even know that was a thing in the UK. So I literally Googled workshop in London to make hats and that's where I found the word millinery which means hat maker basically so I applied for a workshop five days workshop at the London College of Fashion and my teacher was Jessica Bros. she's um, an American milliner based in London and I just fell in love with hat making in five days I made two hats one of the hats was a, a bowler hat sort of like a Charlie Chaplin hat and I was very happy with myself I was just like very very proud I mean I was like oh my god in three days five days I made two hats so my hands can make these things this is just mind-blowing for me so after the workshop I kept watching like, tutorials on YouTube and um, looking for other workshops. And then during pandemic, I spent like eight months at home. So while I was making hats, I started to apply. I, I mean, I decided to apply for the agency in millinery at Morley College. And I graduated last year. And I have to say that was the best 
decision I could have ever made because <laughs> I've learned so much about hat making. I had great tutors, Sarah Kant, Ian Bennett, Vivian Lake, Iona Montgomery, all great midliners and and I learned so much about fabrics as well, how to, you know, to, how to handle fabrics and different materials, more traditional materials like felt and straw. But we've worked also with something like more contemporary, like thermoplastics as well. And it was interesting, you know, when I was like, I was working on my final collection and I worked on some of the headpieces they and they had some leather and they required some um, thermoplastics uh, work. And it's just, it was just great to see how some, somehow the materials is telling you how to, how you want to be handled in a way. I was like, I was um, using a heat gun for the thermoplastic. And I noticed, oh, okay, so if I use the heat in this way, it's gonna create this curve. But then if I put it this way, this is gonna happen. It was just, in a whole world opening to possibilities that I've never think thought about it before. So yeah, I just loved what my hands can, you know, can create. You start with a pattern, you start with a, a simple felt hood, and then out of that, using a head block, you can make wonderful creations. What I want to do is, you know, I, I studied millinery, but I would like to work in film and theatre productions in the costume department. So after graduating last year, I, you know, said to myself, okay, now I have, you know, the kind of the fundamental, I learned the basics and now I just need to go out there and look for a job, look for a work experience. So I started to email people and theatres. The National Theatre got back to me, like straight away. And so I went there for the interview. I brought kind of all my hats to show them what I was, what I, I did and during the agency at Morley College. And I showed them my um, final collection. And then they decided to, you know, take me with them for like short period of time. And then I worked on a musical called Hacks. And they have restaged this musical this year as well, because I was supposed to go actually and, and see the, the show last year, but because of COVID and it got cancelled. So they restaged the show this year. So they called me back to work with them. And I'm actually going to see the show tonight. <laughs> that is going to be such an incredible pinch me moment, I'm sure. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, the costumes for this production are absolutely stunning and gorgeous. And I have to thank Ruben Hart, who is the head of costume and props department where I worked, and Vicky King, who worked with me in the department. So they just showed me the way. Everyone was so helpful. Everyone was so nice and welcoming. I just felt overwhelmed by the kindness of the people there. And they showed me the ropes and they taught me so many things. So I'm really, really grateful. Yeah, so I just, you know, gave my little contribution to the show and um, I'm happy I I did something useful. <laughs> wow, I'm sure it's going to be an amazing experience. Eleonora, if we talk about the wearing of hats, if somebody gets an invitation to a wedding or a garden party or some formal event where they may be required to wear a hat, 
it generally puts the fear of God in people. I feel a lot of people are terrified of wearing hats. They don't want to go and look for a hat. They don't want to buy a hat. And they certainly don't want to wear a hat. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people are so fearful of wearing hats? Well, I guess because they think they're not used to wear hats, so they feel uncomfortable. They think, oh, this is going to make me look silly. I mean, if I think about, I don't know, Royal Ascot, for example, the the races. I went this this year for the very first time, and you know, just to enjoy the experience, but also it was it was a kind of research <laughs> for me. Um, you know, I was just looking around, and I was just impressed by the amazing creations. And you can see a whole range of different hats. Uh, you got the more classic look which is, I don't know, with very pale colours, then you have something that is very, like, big and kind of like a halt shape, and you got all the kind of, all the types of flowers and feathers and veilings, and most of the hats are very colourful. I don't think, well, some people, they might be scared about hats, but here in the UK, I think it's part of the culture. So they used to wear hats and and they wear hats for wedding, for funeral. That's something, for example, we don't know. We don't have in Italy this kind of culture. We don't we don't think about, oh, my God, what I'm going to wear for the wedding or for a special occasion or, or you know, a party. More about the outfit. Yeah, maybe some people are like scared because the things like the, the thing like the hat, it's something it's an accessory, so it doesn't fit maybe with my the shape of my head, with my features. But then that's when you go to a millionaire and then you look for a bespoke service because millionaires, they kind of advise you to colours and, you know, what kind of shape and colours well could match your outfit and they will, you know, guide you through sort of like, you know, yeah, matching palette in a way, something that goes well with your dress. It's like, yeah, sometimes you go for like two meetings, maybe you have like a first appointment and then you go for a second appointment where you can show the client um, something you have been working on and then they can try this on and then they can see if it like if they like the shape, if they like the balance, if it's too heavy for them. It's a kind of like collaboration in a way. I think as well, if we take a wedding, for example, it might be somebody goes to a wedding once or twice a year or once every five years. They wear a hat. It's not something they wear every day, so they probably feel incredibly self-conscious. Is it going to fall off? Have I got it on the yeah. right way? It makes you sort of quite visible. People are going to be looking at literally what you're wearing. So maybe it's a confidence thing that wearing a hat because it's something very different to how we normally present ourselves every day. They could be very colourful because it's a wedding or a formal occasion. I think it's the confidence that a lot of people are frightened of. It's, can I actually pull off wearing a hat? Well, I think you can get this confidence once you enter the room and then you realise, oh, okay, so I was was worrying too much because then look at the creation I can see in front of me, you know, so I guess maybe it's a question of like getting used to this event and then you would allow yourself to 
be more confident and be more brave next time, you know, in choosing your your hat. Because, you know, it's it's a statement. It, it tells you a lot about your personality as well, I guess. If I think about my hat, all of them, since the very first hat I made, since the, the bowler hat I made, all of them, they have something theatrical in a way, something that reminds you about a world has some magic in it. Yeah, I can see my hat like something or something nostalgic, maybe. I don't know. Every time I work on the hat, I put something um, that reminds me of my time on stage, probably. The hat has to say something about you, I suppose. And sometimes when I design a hat, I start sketching. And sometimes what I want to do is deliver a feeling with a hat, translate a feeling, which is very tough, I suppose. So that's why I always go for like, you know, it's at my research pro- process and then I go for um, looking for like visual references that can help me out to sort out the design I want to achieve. So sometimes the first stage is like going very literal and then from there you go and explore other ways where you can translate that into something more complex and more interesting. That's what I did for my um, hat inspired by Dante's Inferno, the one I presented for the filter making competition in like last year, 2000, I mean this year, 2022. And the hat was inspired by Dante's Inferno. The main thing is like using, you have to use the felt for this competition. So felt has to be the main materials and you can add something else as a trimming, but 80% of the materials has to be felt. So I wanted to commemorate Dante in a way, who is considered to be the father of the Italian language. And I've always been very you know, connected to my Italian roots. So I wanted to present an Italian hat in a way. Uh, so I did my research, I collected my visual reference, and then I started to sketch something. And the more I was drawing, the more the shape of a tornado and a wheel was you know what's showing into my designs and then I ended up calling my hat wheel of passion and I'm very happy about that because I spend so much time uh, designing it and uh, the final hat you can see it on my Instagram page and on my website as well it looks like a tornado basically it's you have a felt base and then you have strips of felt intertwining together and they symbolize they are symbolizing the lost fool who lives in Dante's Inferno, basically. And I went to a, for a very like dark color uh, to match the colors of hell. It sounds really sad at the moment, but trust me, it's a very interesting design and concept. I think, yeah. Eleonora, it's been fascinating talking about your career in theatre on screen. And then your love of hats and designs and combining the two worlds together, as in tonight, you're going to go to the theatre and you're going to see your hat being worn on the stage in that production. That, I think, is going to be pinch me moment for you this evening. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. The, the costume designer was Katrina Lindsay, so I just wanted to, you know, highlight the fact that I didn't design the hats. I was 
I was helping the costume props department uh, in some ways. And there will be a moment where you will see blooming roses on stage. And this year I worked in making these roses. So I'm looking forward to see that moment of the blooming roses. (laughs) I hope you feel very, very proud of your creation when you see it on stage. And I will include the links of your Instagram and your web so that people can see your career. Eleonora, thank you so much for taking us into the world of your acting and designing and making hats. It's been fascinating. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please subscribe on whatever platform you are using. It is free. And if you would like to tell your story, please contact me on allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and let's tell your story.